0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And here we go. You start off, we're going to start off today with stupid is as stupid does. A man ends up getting shot by Boston Police Department. You may wonder, oh my goodness, how did this happen? Well, he was in this man, Justin, was encountered... By police, after they responded to an area hospital for the report of a man with a gun. So he pulled what appeared to be a gun. According to police, he pulled it, pointed at officers. Responding officers shot at the suspect, who then drove off in a vehicle, later crashed. After crashing into numerous vehicles, he got out of his car and once again pulled what appeared to be a gun on police, according to authorities. Despite repeated orders to drop the gun, put down the weapon, put your hands up, he stood there and held it, pointed it at the police, and they shot him. And this time they hit him. And he was reported dead on arrival at the hospital. So yeah, you point a gun, and then later on, however, it was determined that the gun was a non-functional weapon or a fake gun. It wasn't real so a non-working firearm so it was a replica or maybe an airsoft gun i don't know but you know what if you're going to point something that looks that much like a gun at a police officer be prepared for them to shoot back with their real guns they're not going to get a close-up look and say oh whoa whoa is that an airsoft gun or is that a real gun they're not going to stop the question you pointed at them they're going to shoot back so well you know and he was uh eliminated from the gene pool which is probably good because every now and then we need a little chlorine in the gene pool to uh, filter the <laughs> the dirt out so this guy is no longer a problem for anybody except maybe you know the coroner's office
1: roger with that being said i wanted to uh let everybody know that we've got a very speaking of weapons mm. We have a very interesting show starting tomorrow that will be uh, every Wednesday at 1 o'clock. Weapons
0: Wednesday? Weapons Wednesday. That's
2: (laughs) it. Very
1: good. You're quick. You're quick. No, it's uh, Agent in Charge. Special Agent Man. No. Uh, Just Agent in Charge. And the gentleman that will be doing the show, his his last assignment was he was in charge of, he was the agent in charge of the El Paso office. He spent many years in Moscow to mm. learn the truth about what has gone on and what is going on in Moscow. Some of the questions that we're going to be asking him are, you know, how did you receive your assignments? I mean, he's going to expose not any secret information, but... But he stuff that is has be now been be. declassified, so we're allowed to hear about it. And it's going to be quite interesting. Uh, I have questions that I've gotten blessed by him and some questions that he sent me that uh, we want to make sure that we're not going to jeopardize anything, including his life. But uh, he was there when uh, Donald Trump <coughs> owned the Miss USA pageant. Yeah. Oh, neat. Okay, Miss Universe, or I'm sorry, Miss Universe pageant, and uh, he was also there in Russia uh, when other events happened in the United States, and he worked with the Russian law enforcement. So it's going to be there, to my knowledge, there is no other show like this on the air or has been on the air, and uh, if you've got questions that you'd like to send in about agent in charge and uh, if he can answer him, he will if not he and I have agreed he'll just say I'm, I'm sorry but I that question is classified or something is still involved in it and uh, I can't answer it at this time But uh, wow that I hope we get a few of those
2: he,
1: uh, <laughs> he spent he, he is retired now but he spent 30 years in federal law enforcement and he uh, uh, Ended his career with the uh, Department of Homeland Security and uh, was the agent in charge.
0: Okay. I wonder what agency he worked for prior to Homeland Security, because they've only been around for, I want to say, like 16 or 17 years. Well, I,
1: I could give you a hint, but I might <clears throat> be exposing something I Is should, it a but special it started, agency? Uh, it, it, it has three letters, and... Um, uh, they have blue jackets with yellow, big yellow, uh, and one of the uh, one of the last letters is I, and the center letter is B, and the oh, okay. first letter, I, I'll let you figure out for yourself. Oh,
0: okay, so he wasn't a CIA guy then? No. Okay. He was
1: originally with the FBI, and um, had quite a career, and was drafted... I think. I, I could be mistaken, but I believe he was drafted by Homeland Security.
0: I guess we'll find out tomorrow.
1: Yeah, and uh, how did he transition from one to the other? Um, here's an interesting qu- uh, question. Were your joint cases with different government agents
0: successful? And, uh, you know, there's a lot of crossover. And, uh, well, you know, there's an expression about that. Yeah. When they do something right, nobody ever knows. But when they do something wrong, nobody yeah. ever forgets.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's going to be Agent in Charge, 1 o'clock tomorrow on America's Web Radio. And uh, like I said, I I don't think anyone has ever done a show like this before. And, uh, oh, I, one other thing. I wanted to... Uh, think Fox News, and I, I, I can only assume they're listening now. They seem to be listening every other show we do. Um, they have they have been very kind about not giving us the credit, but they've been very kind about taking subjects that we introduce and um, expanding on them. For instance, we're the only radio station in the country that does a weekly elderly abuse show, and so. Fox News picked that up, and um, they do segments now on elderly abuse. When we have something particularly interesting, they will take it, and you'll hear about it two or three days later. The other one is that they... um, They did the same thing. Uh, Dr. Blank, Susan Blank, that's a psychiatrist that does detailing addiction for us. She had a whole show on vaping. In fact, she's done a couple of shows on vaping. And interestingly enough, within a few days, Fox and Friends was doing a show on vaping. So I guess imitation is a form of flattery, and we appreciate that and hope that... uh, We hope that Fox & Friends tunes in tomorrow at 1 o'clock for Agent in Charge. And let's see what they want up us on that. uh, (laughs) We'll try. It is interesting, (coughs) and uh, we do appreciate you, the listener, that uh, keeps listening and keeps uh, telling us that we're doing great shows. Had a call today about a guy questioning why hadn't we put the archive up yet it's coming, it's coming, you know, we th- we try to get them up as quickly as we can, but uh, we do, do have other things that we have to do around here, but uh, Brett does a heck of a job of getting the archives up in a t- timely manner, and you can listen to this show or any other show uh, within a couple of days after it's uh, been on the air live, and uh, that'll be the same way with uh, Sandy Bostick's show, Agent in Charge, so... Um, tune in. I think you're gonna you're gonna lose. It's gonna knock your socks off, I believe. And uh, you'll be there barefooted <laughs> and pregnant. S- sounds no. like fun. I guess everyone should tune in to listen to that. It should be good.
0: <coughs> it should be.
1: So, I'm sorry to interrupt. That's but, okay. Uh, I may interrupt
0: again later on to remind people. Okay, but right now we're going to go to New York. We're going to get back to Locked and Loaded, and we're going to hear about more stupid is as stupid does. Now, this has not been passed yet. This is just a proposal. I want to make that clear. This has not been passed, and so New York hasn't got this through yet. Although I'm sure, if these politicians thought they could get away with it, they would pass it as soon as possible. Basically, they're considering a bill that would make it a felony to buy more than 20 rounds of ammunition in 120 days. Now, that's not the ex- well. That's not the exact wording. The wording is It is it would be illegal to purchase weapon, uh, ammo for assault weapons more than two times the capacity, the weapons capacity. Now, of course, in New York, round the magazines are limited to, I think it's now seven rounds or something. I think you can run up to a 10-round mag if you only load it to seven rounds or something like that. So even at 10 rounds, double that would be 20 rounds. Within a 120-day period, you can only have 20 rounds of ammo purchased per 120 day period which means if you go shoot a match somewhere where you have to run through two or three hundred rounds of ammo it could take you a year before you can save up enough i guess credit to buy enough ammo to go run one of these matches now keep in mind this has not passed yet it is just a bill but they're trying to put this through and they would limit you to 20 rounds per four months and people, would, and, and people who don't know would ask, well, why do you need so many bullets for a gun? Why do you need more than 20 rounds of ammunition? For the same reason you don't buy toilet paper 20 squares at a time, because when stuff happens, it gets messy. And you might need a few more rounds or pieces of toilet paper than you anticipated. So we'll have to keep an eye on this. It's a New York Bill A-01724, which would make it, you know, basically, unless you had a stockpile – it would make it unbelievably difficult to accumulate any amount of ammunition. Buying, you know, let's see, twenty rounds every four months. I'd give you—I'm not good at math—but sixty rounds a year, <clears throat> five rounds a month is what you're allotted. It sounds like they're—they're they're putting restrictions on this just to be able to. They can't take the guns away. The Second Amendment prevents that. However, they're going ar- around the back end, so to speak. So be prepared don't bend over for these guys because they're they're gunning for you five rounds a month you and if, who comes up with this kind of stuff well they, they figure the ammunition is not protected in the Constitution just the guns are so as most people know a gun without ammunition is just a club so if they can take all the ammunition away then hey you're done but it gets crazier than that there is another bill that's been thrown out there now this one is completely nuts. It claims every round of ammunition that you own must be serialized. Manufacturers must stamp a distinct serial number into every single round of ammunition sold in the state of New York. Now, this obviously would be a ridiculously expensive thing for manufacturers to even contemplate doing. And they say you have to get rid of any ammunition that is not serialized within two years. So within two years, you will not be allowed to be in possession of any ammunition that does not possess a unique serial number for each bullet. Not each box, not each magazine. Each bullet must have an individual serial number on it.
1: I got an idea how they could get rid of <clears throat> their ammunition.
0: Well, yeah, I'll take the government back and tell them, no, 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 you can't do this. And, you know, normally I, I push for voting above all. That's the easiest most effective way to get things done. However, if New York gets this crazy bill passed, there is no telling what could happen with... Because obviously, manufacturers are not going to do this. They don't want to invest time, money, and equipment to serialize every single round of ammunition somehow. And this was brought to my attention by a guy who does does a video I've seen a couple of times called Guns and Gadgets, and he explains it a little more thoroughly, but... Just the fact that you'd have to serialize every single round of ammunition that you own <clears throat> to enable law enforcement to keep track of it. Again, it's an end-around. They're going around behind you trying to take your guns away without you paying attention. So whatever you do, be careful. Don't drop the soap because they're they're coming for you. <laughs> this, this is sort
1: of like uh, getting a prescription at the drugstore if you if uh, it's you're too early to get it refilled. And you show your ID, and you do this, and you do that, and they say, well, you've got to wait five more days before you're qualified to get it again.
0: Right. I mean, you could have spilled a few down the sink, but if you don't have the prescription on time, then they won't give it to you. Well, here, like I say, every... This is even crazier than the California law, where they take guns off of their, quote-unquote, registry if they are not able to imprint a distinct serial number onto every cartridge fired the gun must have some sort of micro stamping technology on the gun to be able to stamp every fired cartridge with a distinct number barcode something like that and the same thing happened there california's gun registry has eliminated all new models that were not grandfathered in that were already in for sale in the state of California. And as newer versions come out, they must adhere to this micro-stamping requirement, which none of them are. There's been no manufacturer yet so far who has stepped up and said, okay, we're going to make micro-stamping guns available to people in California. So basically, the California registry grows every year with less and less weapons available on it by asking these manufacturers to perform impossible tasks in order to have their guns legal in california
1: so you're going to register your bullets basically
0: right they will keep track of every serial
1: number of every bullet that you own i want mine to be (laughs)
0: f-u-m-f one two three (laughs) yeah i mean this is just it's another end around they're going you know they're going for the end around they're trying to say well we can't outlaw guns is the second amendment is in our way so they're finding a way to go around this second amendment wall or go over the second amendment wall or tunnel underneath the second amendment wall which uh, in fact most liberals are in favor of people just coming through over under walls anyway so this kind of goes along with their their general approach to things So be aware, New York, if you're aware of this, you need to find out if this ever comes up for a vote or anybody who supports this bill. If you're a gun owner in New York and you want to have enough ammunition to actually go shooting on an afternoon, you better pay attention to this. Because if they make this the law, if they force manufacturers to serialize ammo, chances are they're not going to do it because they can't afford it. It's it'd be too expensive, nobody would buy the ammo. So basically, ammunition sources in New York would completely dry up. <clears throat> There'd be no way to buy new ammo because if it wasn't serialized properly, you wouldn't be able to even sell it in New York, and most manufacturers are not going to do this. Now, I imagine that true enthusiasts are going to get to the point where they're going to want to start reloading their own. These shell casings will become extremely valuable. Or once you buy them, you'll want to reload them as many times as possible. Now, I don't know. Can you transfer the number from one casing to another? Would the number wear off after it was reloaded mm-hmm. a time or two? Would criminals obey this law? Oh, my goodness. Oh, probably not because they're – oh, yeah, what's the word? Criminals. That's right. You're not going to get a criminal to obey the law. That's how they become criminals in the first place. So be aware, New York. New York. Apparently, some California water has gotten into your waterways and influencing your politicians to do stupid things. So, like I say, not passed yet, but the fact that California has this registry on their guns would mean to me that this is not entirely out of the realm of possibility for you guys. You guys could be in danger of losing your rights to have ammunition. And as we all know, a gun without ammunition is just a club. But you know, somehow, I bet politicians, police officers, people who they deem responsible enough to have ammo are going to still be able to get whatever they want. The um, bodyguards for Bloomberg. Oh, yes, Bloomberg. I'm so glad you brought him up, Mr. Bloomberg. I mean, Bloomberg. Yes. I
1: didn't bring him up. He's <clears throat> still about four foot nothing.
0: Yeah, he's still he's still the shortest guy at the podium. But apparently he made an appearance at a Fox News town hall uh, moderated by Brett Baer. And somebody they had somebody in the audience stand up and ask him a question. And this is a question. This is almost the exact question I would have asked him as well. <clears throat> He said, how do you justify pushing for more gun control when you have armed security details that are likely equipped with the same firearms and magazines that you seek to ban common citizens from owning? Does your life matter more than mine or my family's or these people's? And after the cheering for the question subsided, then Bloomberg decided, oh, you know what? Let me me tell you what I think about this. Look, I probably get 40 to 50 threats every week. Some of them are real, he responded. That just happens when you're the mayor of New York or you're very wealthy or you're campaigning for president of the United States. You get a lot of threats. Okay, so because somebody threatens him, he has the right to have armed security details and have men carrying guns that are illegal for every other single person in the state if they're not a politician or extremely wealthy. I mean you can see this guy is a pure elitist. There is no reason why he should have rights that people in his state do not. So here we go. So he has, you know, he says, The right to bear arms, nobody's suggesting you're gonna change the constitution. Or if you wanted to, I don't think you could get it done. So he's saying, Oh yeah, maybe if you wanted to, but it's gonna be too difficult so we won't do it. Nobody's going to take away your right to bear arms. Really? But yet He's willing to take away the right for people to bear arms that his security details carry that people who guard him use to protect him and his family because he's very wealthy. Okay, so because he's rich, he gets away with this. Okay, we're going to be right back. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio.
2: Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not...
3: Good morning. My name is Mike Maisel. I'm a retired Army Colonel and president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association. We meet in Newtown Park and part of one of our projects is the installation of the Healing Wall, the half-scale model of the Vietnam Wall that traveled the United States. Well, it's coming to rest and it's going to live in Johns Creek forever, the half-scale model. We're looking at a possibly a march implementation, ribbon cutting ceremony, and we're looking for donors and sponsors that want to help us in this great project. You can donate at jcvets.org.
1: This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at com, and we'll get back to you.
0: Thank you. Okay, we're back. Back to Mr. Bloomberg. It's funny that he says this. I mean, these are, he said, nobody is suggesting that you're going to change the Constitution, even if you wanted to. I don't think you could get it done. Does that mean he wants to change the Constitution? Does he want to take away the Second Amendment if he possibly could? The only restrictions which I'm in favor of is to prevent us from selling guns to people with psychiatric problems, criminals, or people that are minors. Okay? Okay. Yeah, right. But if he could change the Constitution tomorrow, <clears throat> I'm sure he would do it without hesitation. And I wonder if he's helping sponsor bills like these New York bills to serialize all ammunition and such. Now, they claim, though <clears> – <throat> now, the, the one before that I mentioned was the limitation of 20 rounds per every four months. Now, they're saying that is just on ammunition for assault weapons. Now, how are they going to know whether a 7.62 or a 5.56 5. is being used in a bolt action rifle or semi-automatic? Or if a 9mm is being used in a pistol or a pistol caliber carbine? How are they going to determine which ammo goes in an assault, a quote unquote assault weapon and which doesn't? Does that mean the only thing you could buy would be lever action rim fire cartridges? 22s, 38s, 44 magnums? <clears throat> but what if you put one of those in a lever action? Would that be considered an assault weapon because it holds more than 10 rounds? These people are off their rocker, and they're going at, going at this any way they possibly can. They want to stop you from having guns. They want to stop you from having the ammunition to feed it.
1: Well, now, wasn't Bloomberg <clears throat> successful in getting straws
0: taken away in <laughs> New York? And, I mean, that did away with all the peace shooters going. Right, oh, spitballs were no longer a problem after yeah. that, you know, and it was it was a huge problem for for third, fourth, and fifth graders to get straws to shoot spitballs at each other it it you know, and he's using that same logic if they can't get straws, they won't be able to shoot spitballs, so if we take away the ammunition, people won't be able to shoot guns, but he keeps forgetting criminals don't obey laws, only law abiding citizens do, but he doesn't distinguish between the two. He thinks everybody who has a weapon is a criminal, except for his personal security detail and bodyguards that protect his family 24-7. Ah, these elitists just drive me crazy. I mean, they think we're back in the 1700s, and he thinks he's King George, King Bloomberg. He thinks he's the one who's going to make the laws that everybody else obeys, and he's just going to walk around them, because he's special. He's wealthy. He used to be the governor, the mayor of New York. Because of those things, he believes he's above the common people. Which is ridiculous equality under the law is one of the most basic most basic rights we have in this country and the whole reason we have it is because the constitution was designed to put everybody on an equal playing field but apparently some of these politicians like bloomberg he believes he's above all these laws because
1: stepping on his box
0: yeah he's not really above much of anything being at like five foot six or whatever he is He's not exactly a tall man, although I don't mean to make fun of people who are, you know, not tall. <clears throat> we have people in this very studio who are not very tall, but they'll be proud of it. Oh, I was talking about uh, Victor Armenderes from On Point with Victor. He is not a very large guy, but he's very, but he's very, but he's a very nice guy. So, you know, if you ever meet him, he's just... He's very large in character. Oh, my goodness, yes. He lights up a room as if he's a son. <laughs> I don't know if he'll be back next week or not. I'm not sure. Actually, he was here this week. I don't know when he's going to be back in studio. But we're going to move on. Now, this is interesting. There was a concealed carry hearing in Idaho. And a grandfather brought his granddaughter with him to address the legislative body. And as she came in, she was an 11-year-old granddaughter, she came into the courtroom Carrying something on her right shoulder. A loaded AR-15. <laughs> this is an 11-year-old girl. He brought his granddaughter in, <clears throat> and he pointed out to me. she's been shooting since she was five years old. She shot her first deer with this exact weapon, an AR-15, when she was nine. So he was there to kind of make a point that people are afraid of what they don't understand. She carried this into the courtroom. She'd been shooting since she was single digits which she was only 11 so she wasn't even double digits for that long and he was there to push for the concealed carry laws in Idaho to be relaxed or to be changed or whatever but it was just funny how he used his 11 year old granddaughter to help because they want to limit where you can carry concealed weapons so it's like okay they want to limit it to you can just carry a weapon in the person's place of living or in a fixed place of business Now, so if you do business in your car, I guess that's not a fixed place of business. On property in which the person has ownership or leasehold interest. On private property where the person has permission to carry concealed weapons from any person with an ownership or leasehold interest. Okay, they're just making this again. Make it as difficult as possible to limit your rights as much as possible. And this is Idaho. I thought Idaho was a little more progressive in the fact that they were allowing people to maintain their gun rights. But apparently, they are not. They're making it more difficult for people in Idaho to have gun permits, to be able to carry weapons in various places. And we've shown the best way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. So don't think just because there are no guns allowed legally that criminals – oh, here we go again – that criminals are going to obey the laws. They've earned the name criminal by not obeying laws. I don't know how many times I can hammer that point home, but oh my goodness. So the law-abiding citizens end up taking the blame for what people who break the law do. Now, if that applied across the board to other things, it would be just, imagine not being able to drive a car because somebody in your neighborhood was driving drunk once. So nobody in that neighborhood is now allowed to drive a car because you might be drunk also. So, they're going to blame you for somebody else's crime.
1: How many, many uh, law abiding <clears throat> citizens are in jail compared to criminals that are in
0: jail? <laughs> that would be none. Because <laughs> <laughs> if they were law abiding, they wouldn't be criminals. <laughs> but yeah, it's like with the uh, NFA, the National Firearms Act of 1934, that limits suppressors, fully automatic weapons, uh, short barreled rifles, short shotguns, all those things. Since 1934, there have been three cases of those weapons being used in any kind of crime, which is, in that many years, three cases is a statistical zero. That's virtually none. So, I mean, the fact that they're trying to push this limitation onto everyday citizens. Now, these are citizens who are willing to get a permit, undergo the background check, and become certified to carry their weapon in certain places. But they don't want those people to have that right. So I don't know where that's going to go because I thought Idaho was a little more liberal in the fact that liberal in the way they perceived gun owners as being responsible citizens, but apparently not. But now we're going to move somewhere else. Let's see. Okay, this is in Chicago, Illinois, Illinois, Illinois. I'm not sure how that's pronounced. If you if you have a suggestion, you can tell me. Oh, by the way, if you have any ideas that you want to see discussed on the show or you would like to come on and be a guest on the show, you can contact me at roger at americaswebradio.com. That's roger at americaswebradio.com. If you have comments, criticisms, I'm willing to take them all. Criticize you don't like the shirt I'm wearing. You don't like the way I do my hair, whatever. You don't like the fact that I don't have any gel in my hair. I don't have a man bun. Whatever you want to criticize, go ahead. Fire away. I can take it. But if you have interesting ideas you'd like to see discussed or have questions you want to see discussed, by all means, bring it forward. But right now we're going to say, okay, in Illinois they have what they call a FOID card, F-O-I-D, and I'm trying to remember what that stands for and I just can't. It's a firearm owner's something information ID, yeah, firearms owner ID card. Okay, so this FOID is responsible for you being able to buy ammunition and buy guns in Illinois. Without it, you cannot legally own a weapon there. Now they're adding restrictions, or they're talking about adding restrictions. It hasn't been done yet. Like I said, these things are in process. These are things that anti-gun people are throwing at the wall just to see if they can get them to stick. This is going to say no one can own a firearm without a $1 million liability insurance policy. Now think about that for a minute. $1 million of liability insurance just for owning a weapon.
1: Why? Why do I get this distinct smell in my studio
0: that there is a lawyer involved? I don't know. It's a Democrat representative, Jennifer Gershwitz, Gong Gershwitz, filed a bill in Illinois that, have passed, would require gun owners to carry a one million dollar liability insurance coverage policy. Yeah, something smells funny there. I wonder if they're in cahoots with the insurance companies. You would think, maybe the insurance company would go, hey, we slide you a little money, we get all this extra money. But who would, does this... Would an attorney
1: <coughs> do something, or a politician <laughs> do something like that? Oh, my I gosh, mean, no. They're the ones that aren't in jail for being criminals, right?
0: Exactly.
1: They well, yeah, in.
0: they should be more so than not. Which and we'll brings get into up a
1: point that uh, they've brought up the old Hillary case again.
0: I know. They're going to start questioning her. I have a feeling whoever runs for president is going to tap her as a VP candidate, which would be dangerous for your own (laughs) self-preservation. I don't know what she has, but people tend to die around her all the time, so I'd be afraid to be her running mate, especially with her not in the front seat. I don't think I'd want to turn my back on her as a vice presidential candidate. But anyway, so this bill says you must carry a million dollars of liability insurance. But the bill also states... It prohibits surplus line insurance producers from procuring and domestic surplus line insurers from insuring the risk of legal fees, costs, or expenses related to an investigation, indictment, or prosecution of any criminal charge arising out of the use of a firearm. Now, I don't know what that means, but it makes it sound like they're making it much more difficult for the insurance companies to even provide this insurance to firearm owners. So not only do you have to have it, but now it's extremely difficult for the insurers to even offer it. Hmm, yeah, I'm thinking this is another back-ended way. I mean, you people people in these anti-gun states, you're going to have to walk around with some kind of uh, armored shorts because people are gunning for you from all angles here. Somehow or another, you're going to get screwed out of your gun rights. It's going to happen. It looks like they're doing whatever they can. And it made it to the House Rules Committee. And you have to provide proof of this insurance if you're getting your FOID card renewed or trying to get a new one. And, of course, with the FOID cards, they're beginning very slack in the renewals. They're up for renewal every 10 years, and they may require annual proof of this insurance. So even if you get the card and you get the insurance and you drop it after a year or two, you could be in trouble of losing your FOID card even before the 10 years is up. Now, as it stands, I just don't know. There's actually a federal lawsuit pending now saying that the agency is holding up applications for FOID cards, which is basically depriving citizens of their Second Amendment rights. Just the fact that you need a card to prove you're somebody who's worthy of having a weapon is ridiculous. It's a Second Amendment right. If you can get a driver's license, if you can pass a basic background check, you should be able to get this weapon. shouldn't have to have a card and a million dollars worth of liability insurance. And you also need the FOID card to purchase ammunition as well. So even if you don't have a gun, you can't even buy ammo. Now, I wonder how that would work if you went to a local range. Could they sell you ammo to use in a rental gun? Can they even rent you a gun? I know in New York, you're not even allowed to touch a gun whether it's yours or not, unless you have a permit. And the permit application is $300, and about 60 pages long. And takes six months to a year to complete and get back. And that's just a purchase. That's not a carry permit. You can't carry a weapon after you do that. You can just buy a handgun. Now, in New York, though, you can buy rifles or shotguns pretty freely. They don't require that for that. But to purchase the handgun, you must go through that 60-page, $300 application. <clears throat> I
1: have a suggestion that uh, you know during the revolution, and I
0: think
2: some <laughs> of the,
1: the British mentioned the fact that that the uh, our militia were hiding behind trees, and you know they didn't know where they were, and all this kind of stuff, while the British were in their little lines, marking, uh, you know. I would suggest people start picking their trees.
0: start growing their trees a little bigger
1: yeah and which one are you gonna hide behind
0: exactly oh yeah it's it's now i don't i don't advocate for any kind of violent resistance of the government in most cases i believe most of these can be settled by voting and if you look at the virginia issue they had people up in arms literally deciding that they didn't want this new government, this new liberal government, to take over and eliminate their rights. So they came out to town halls. They declared were their counties, cities, towns, sanctuary cities and towns and counties. However, look back at the results of what caused this. Five million registered voters in Virginia less than a million showed up to vote in the last election less than 20% of the people determined the course that the government was going to take and if you let this happen there is no excuse for when this happens you say oh did you vote no I didn't I didn't think it was worth my time well there you go this is what happens That's right. My vote doesn't count. You, along with four million other people thinking the same thing, are thinking, well, someone else will vote the way I do. It'll be enough people to do it. Don't count on that. Don't sit on your hands. Get out there and vote every time you possibly can. In fact, in some states, you do not have to declare which party you are affiliated with. In these states, you're allowed to vote in a primary. It doesn't matter whether it's Democrat, Republican, Independent. You can vote in any primary you want. You can just vote in one, but you can vote in any primary you want in some states. So therefore, if you feel like there's a candidate who may be better than others, or if you feel like it's the worst candidate possible with the easiest chance of being defeated by who you would prefer, you can vote for them as well. So be considered. Strategic voting is a possible weapon in this particular fight. Vote for the people who you feel would give you the best chance if they were to win, or vote for the most ridiculous one who has the least chance of winning. Either way, it's a, it's a strategy. Pick your strategy and go vote. It doesn't matter whether you're affiliated with that party or not. If your state allows you to vote in one primary, pick the one that's most important and go vote in that one. <clears throat> because otherwise you'll end up with in a Virginia situation, and we don't want to end up in a Virginia situation because that got really messy really fast there was formations of, of militias in counties and towns people threatening to you know fight the government if they came to take their guns it was you know it was all boogalooed up everywhere and these people were just they were itching to get into it and it's like i hope it never comes to that during my lifetime but with the way things are going i'm becoming a little more fearful that being that getting out getting people out to vote will not be enough but we'll see. In fact, there's, things are coming to a bit of a, a clashing point out in New Mexico. The New Mexican governor tells sheriffs, you either enforce red flag laws or you resign. And these sheriffs have stood up and said, we're not going to enforce these laws. We don't believe they're constitutional. Because she signed red flag laws into into law, so now they are, and told sheriffs who oppose law they should resign if they won't enforce any gun seizure orders. Now, it's funny because a vast majority of the state sheriffs have spoken out against these red flag laws. They don't believe they should be in place. They're not st- strict enough as far as getting enough information before they have to act. I don't know exactly what the red flag laws in New Mexico say, but <clears throat> there's a lot of them being passed across the country where a coworker, worker uh, your child's teacher... There's so many odd people who can just point at you and say, oh, I don't think he should have his guns. I heard his son talking about him doing this. So all of a sudden, if your six- or seven-year-old says something about you doing something, whether it's true or not, doesn't matter. That teacher can then call for a red flag law against you or your family. So be aware of this. I mean, this is just – it's going off the deep end. It's, it's the Salem witch trials all over again. Now, the sheriffs all in these towns and counties, they realize they don't work for the governor. They don't answer to her. They answer to the people who elected them. They answer to the people who voted for them. They are elected officials as well. And here it comes down to these sheriffs are trying to push to, I guess, preserve constitutional, the federal constitutional law. And this new Mexican governor is telling them not to. She's saying that their state government, their state laws are taking precedence over federal law. Which, from what I understand, is not the way our laws work. Federal government comes first. Now, of course, this has been in disagreement for some time with the marijuana laws, with sanctuary cities for illegals. In fact, there was a clash the other day I saw, I think, in uh, California, where the ICE agents are going after illegals that have felony charges, and the, the, the district attorneys in certain areas are not providing any assistance, in fact, trying to stop them from performing their duties. So at some point I don't know I don't know when it's going to happen, but if it does, the states and the federal government are going to come to a clashing point. And I don't know at that point how that's going to go. That's going to be interesting. I mean the feds can they can't call in troops to deal with US citizens. However, a governor can call for the National Guard, but then the president can federalize them and take control of the National Guard. And it's going to come down to these sheriffs. I mean, what are they willing to do to protect the rights of the citizens, of the people who vote for them? I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to get with them when the time comes. All right, we're going to be right back. We're going to take a quick break. I am Roger B. You're listening to Locked and Loaded, and you're on America's Web Radio. Quick stakes. That's
3: morning. My name is Mike Mizell. I'm a retired Army colonel and president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association. We meet in Newtown Park, and part of one of our projects is the installation of the healing wall, the half-scale model of the Vietnam Wall that traveled the United States. Well, it's coming to rest, and it's going to live in Johns Creek forever, the half-scale model. We're looking at a possibly a march implementation ribbon cutting ceremony and we're looking for donors and sponsors that want to help us in this great project you can donate at jcvets.org you're
0: listening to america's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Right before we left for the break, we were talking about the New Mexican governor telling the sheriffs, the duly elected official sheriffs, that they need to comply with her red flag laws or they need to resign. Of course, the sheriffs know they don't answer to her. They answer to the people who elect them. But what happens when elected officials don't obey the law themselves? What kind of response can you possibly get? I mean, what can they do? Let me tell you something. There are veterans in the state of Washington who are preparing a citizen's arrest for of Washington leaders over unconstitutional gun laws. <laughs> Now, the guy what's the guy who wrote this. Mitch McKinley was talking about this. Citizens arrest. He goes, and Mitch said, the first thing you normally think of is, you know, uh, in Mayberry, Gomer running after uh, Barney for running a stop sign or something, <laughs> trying to say citizens arrest, citizens arrest. But you know what? This is a little more serious than that because they can prove that these politicians are violating the law. However, we've allowed this to go on for so long, you wonder you know, what will come of it? How are these people going to respond when, you know, if they get people push back? I mean, and also, are they in a majority? I don't know. Do a majority of Washington citizens think they need to give up their constitutional right to have a gun? Maybe they do. Or maybe the people who do believe this are just outvoting. They're outvoting the people who don't believe that gun rights are are in the Constitution or should be adhered to. So we'll have to see. But according to the Seattle Times, they were saying that <clears throat> there's been a group with the th- of three percenters. Now, if you don't know what the three percenters are, three percent is supposedly the number of active participants in the Revolutionary War. Only three percent of the country took active parts in fighting the Revolutionary War. And these people consider themselves active participants in preventing the distortion of the constitution as it is written so we will see i'm really curious to see where this one goes i'm gonna have to come back and revisit this but real quick before i run out of time i want to cover one more thing because the coronavirus is still out there it's still scaring people and people are afraid they're concerned they're uh stocking up on things they're prepping they're getting ready. Now, what, what if this does get bad? I honestly, from looking at what I've seen, the specifications, the the deadliness of the virus, it is not as big a deal as the regular flu. The regular flu is more dangerous than this thing is according to the numbers. But what if people do get scared? I was in a Walmart the other day, and there were people. I was over here in conversations, people asking for hand sanitizer, and all the response is, oh, we're completely sold out. We have none left. The soap aisle was wiped out except for a few bars here and there. Cleaning supplies were just gone through like crazy. People are getting frantic about this. They're getting a little bit more wound up about it. <clears throat> In fact, there's people selling the N95 masks, which usually go for a buck or two. They're getting 15 to $25 for them on eBay and on Amazon. So what if the virus does become a big issue? What if they want to limit contact among people? Could martial law come to the United States? Could they bring it in? And will the coronavirus be an excuse for them to start implementing this thing? Now, you may wonder, what is martial law? Martial law is basically when military takes over the duties of law enforcement and implements additional or different laws in place of civilian laws. They use military law instead. And this takes place when there's some great threat to the general public or in case where a foreign military takes over another country, which I don't think that's going to happen because the coronavirus does not have its own government or tanks or any of that stuff. That but we know of. That we know of, yes. Who knows? They could come in with lime well, wedges and take us all over. I don't know. Coronavirus with a side of Lyme disease. But on a daily basis, that can mean that living under martial law, certain rules that we have become accustomed to will no longer apply, such as suspension of habeas corpus, meaning you do not have to go before a judge and be charged with something to be held, to be detained, to be kept in captivity. If they deem you a threat somehow or don't know who you are or why you were out after hours, you could put in curfews. People would have to be in at a certain time. And if you're caught out after that, you get detained, you get Put in captivity for how long? Who knows? It depends on how severe the threat may be. I think the most important thing is to remember is that if martial law is implemented, supply chains will undoubtedly be disrupted. Certain supplies may be difficult or nearly impossible to get. In fact, we're seeing it now, like I say Walmart the other day, completely out of hand sanitizer. Granted, most people Don't need as much as they probably have, and there's a lot of it still out there. There's other places to get it, but it was funny that everyone was stocking up on it. When they say the very best way to prevent this is to wash your hands frequently, the hand sanitizer helps, but it's not as effective as washing your hands with soap and water.
1: Well, I want to add to that. (laughs) Think before you act. And this means, you know, right now... I don't think it's as big a deal as some of the media has made it. However, you know, if you got tickets to be with thirty or 40,000 of your best friends, or ten or 15,000 of your best friends, you might want to think about, do I want to go be coughed on? Or if you're sick, stay home. Why infect yeah, try,
0: anybody else? Try not to be a spreader of disease. Yes, absolutely. And
1: you know, <clears throat> heaven forbid. Think before you act. Uh, th- you know, that's that's a hard message to get across today. But uh, and if there's a concert that your kids are going to, you know, how important is that concert? with everybody coughing and wheezing and all this uh not that that's gonna you know and it's like um, but this is no worse than any other flu anything
0: else yeah you can avoid certain contact here and there which probably be helpful but to disrupt your regular life because of this as of now i don't feel that's a a scenario that most people need to do
1: no Uh, but the common thing is to think and and think of the person that's standing next to you if you've got a cough or you have to sneeze take take precautions that you just wear a mask be considerate
0: yes yeah, sneeze into your elbow yeah or any place else you want to but or into your the guy in front of you's rear, rear pocket that yeah. would that would work but anyway, so if martial law becomes an issue, if they actually implement martial law in the United States, there will be th- common items that will be in short supply, and you don't know when they're going to be available again, and this puts defending what you have and the people who need it becomes important. It's very difficult to see a friend or neighbor in need and not be able to help them, but you have to decide. Can you really spare anything that your family may need while supplies aren't, aren't available? That's something you're going to have to see. Now, and you could have had gobs of training. You may be fully prepared for anything, but if it comes down to it face-to-face with someone trying to take things from your household, from your family that you feel like you need to hold on to – at what lengths will you go to protect that and most people are like oh i'll shoot anybody who comes near me well yeah you can train all you want but when it comes face to face with someone you know who you consider a friend or a neighbor that you've known for years it's a lot harder than you might think and of course you know there's always conflicts between neighbors and stuff and those are probably these the crazy ones are probably easier to avoid or not not deal with but in this situation of martial law the the best scenario is one where you work with other people, assuming these people have something to contribute or are willing to work to help the general cause. Now, there's the one neighbor who's going to laugh at you and make fun of you for being a prepper. Oh, you're an idiot. You're just paranoid. And you know what? No one wants to help that guy because he scoffed at you when you were making preparations. He decided it wasn't worth it to put his time, money, or effort into it. So yeah, that guy... It's going to be a lot easier to, sh- to shun him away and let him fend for himself, even though his family may not have food. They may not have toilet paper. You know, how much of this do you need? Can you spare any of it? You know, you want to be as neighborly as possible, but also you got to protect your own family first or your own group of people first. People who put the time in, people who put the effort in to prepare and get ready. And then you have to be prepared to defend what you have. You know, you can't afford to let roving gangs come and take all your water. You just can't afford to do that. There's too many, too many lives at stake. Your family's life is at stake. Do you have the necessary tools and necessary training to defend what you have? In the event of martial law where supplies are limited and you can't get what your family may need, are you going to be able to defend what you have and keep it? It's a scenario I hope never comes to the United States. I hope we never have to deal with this, except maybe in very small, very isolated areas where you have, you know, issues. There was once um, an issue where somebody had blew, uh, blown up a mine, a mining, a mine shaft. And the governor implemented martial law for a few days to try to sort everything out, send everybody home, implement curfews to keep Agitators from getting out and causing more trouble. So it can happen, but let's hope it doesn't come to that.
1: Well, you know, all it takes is looking south, and there are a number of people in Venezuela that are saying right now, it can't happen here, but it is happening there. And this was from a government going from a democratic government to a socialistic government that's going to a communistic government right now. And to have been one of the richest countries in... That's right, fourth richest in the world. Yeah, to uh, now they're like a third world country. There is no food. There is no anything. And uh, Now, what is and, the show we have that's with yeah, the Venezuelans, it's, it's right? It's called Let's Talk Venezuelan. And the folks that do it, uh, Josie, as a matter of fact, Josie Cruz, she is running for Congress and uh, running against the, uh, the island is listing hank johnson that no in the anyway so josie's an american citizen now but she and uh, carlos uh, are from venezuela they still have contacts and they give reports on what's happening the truth
0: actual first-hand reports or in our case second-hand but still yes direct information from the source right and uh you know it's it's a terrible situation that uh, venezuelans
1: are facing now With that being said, though, my friend, we're going to have to put the plug in the jug.
0: Okay, we're going to wrap this up. Just remember, I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.